All right. Well, happy Father's Day. This is the last sermon for our AMA series, and how appropriate it is to talk about parenting on Father's Day. And Psalms 127 says this, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb, a reward like arrows in the hand of a warrior, are the children of one's youth. I feel like as I'm preaching this sermon, I'm still trying to figure out what it means to be a father and a parent. So with this sermon, I'm preaching it to myself as, as, as much as I am preaching it to you. Parenting is full. You're waiting to hear what it's full of. And I'm just going to leave it as it's full. It's full of joy, but it's also full of anxiety, full of love, full of grief, and full of everything else in between. It's hard, it's tough, it's challenging, but it is also rewarding and growing. I also know that parenting is one of those things that where we all have our opinions around it, and to tell someone how to parent is a very sensitive and often Oftentimes, it can get offensive, but I'm going to tackle this anyways, so how do we parent biblically? So let's be real for a moment. Your house is noisy, it's messy, it's not as clean as you would like it to be. After you clean one area, you turn around and 30 seconds later, you hear a crash behind you and effectively, your kid has made a bigger mess than what you just took 30 minutes to clean. The laundry is piling up. You don't know what is the clean pile or the dirty pile anymore. The next meal comes up so fast you don't even know how, what to make or how to make it. You just broke up another fight. You have more expenses than income. The schedule of the week looks overwhelming and impossible. And you haven't been on a date night in what feels like since your wedding day. On top of that, Sunday mornings are the worst. Sunday mornings, somehow your kids just find a way to mess things up. Why can't they just be like every other day? But somehow Sunday morning, they're either screaming more, fighting more, throwing up more, just doing more. And for some reason, it is so much more effort to leave the door. This morning as we were leaving for church, we got the kids out. Actually, it was okay. We get in the car, and my daughter has learned this new thing. She, she fake cries. <laughs> I, like, so crying for, for us, when the kids cry in the back, it gives my wife quite a bit of anxiety. But my wife, somehow my daughter's learned that, and she decides to fake cry. She just sits there and fake cries for fun. Like, this is funny. We stopped at Starbucks and um, got ourselves some coffee. And of course, Judah asked, where's mine? Like, you don't don't get coffee. We don't want to give you coffee. But Sunday mornings are, are terrible for some reason, right? Any parents know what that means? They're terrible. If we're honest with ourselves as parents, there are absolutely days in which we wish those children of ours were not ours. And those children of ours were not around, even if it's just for that moment. 
Does it sound familiar to current parents? Do you feel like you're just living around, living around and day to day over and over again, it feels like Groundhog Day. We've lost sight of what we're actually put here to do. The menial task and the day-to-day -day endless duties have no meaning or purpose. And so when you go looking for it, there are more advice and suggestions out there than what seems helpful. I have a five-year-old and a one-and-a-half-year-old. In fact, that the fact that I have to put a one and a half of there, you, as parents, you know, in those early days, every three months or every month makes a huge difference in who they are. The reality is that our kids are not there to help us. They're not there to serve us. But that our kids are selfish little humans that need us to serve them and to help them. Parenting is hard. However, God has chosen parents to be the primary instruments in the shaping of a human soul. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So let's pray. Father God, we just thank you. We thank you that we get to celebrate Father's Day today, but we get to look into Scripture to see what it means to biblically parent our children and to raise our families. So Father God, we just pray that... In this time, as we dive into your word, Lord, may your spirit fall in this place. May it bring comfort. May it bring wisdom. May it bring assurance to who we are as parents, to who we are as a church. So, Lord, we lift this time into your hands and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I was preparing this sermon. I was like, okay, what, what are the steps I'm going to give to parenting? I mean, I'm not, I'm not a veteran in it by any ways. Um, like, like I said, my son is five, my oldest is five, so really it's only really five years of, of real parenting experience. And so as I sat and I, I, I was thinking, what are, the, what are the things that parents need? And how do I answer this question? I feel like steps aren't going to be practical for us. I feel like steps aren't going to help us figure out what is the biblical way of raising families. So instead of giving you seven practical steps, I hope to set a tone for us. New parents, old parents, grandparents, godparents, aunties and uncles, all of us who in some way parent, so that my approach in this sermon is to help us no matter where we are in our parenting whether it's our biological families or our chosen families, that we see biblically what we are to do. Paul Tripp in his book, Parenting, talks about how there are two views in which we see parenting. Ownership parenting and ambassadorial parenting. Ownership parenting, which is, these children belong to me, so I can parent them the way that I see fit. We may not say these things out loud, but most of us parent this way. It isn't overtly selfish, but ownership parenting is motivated and shaped by what parents want for their children and from their children. The other view is amb ambassadorial parenting or being an ambassador, which is this radical and humbling recognition that our children don't actually belong to us. Rather, as Psalms 127 says here, that every child belongs to the one who created them. That children belong to God. 
And that that means as parents, we are entrusted as agents to the lives of these people that God has given to us. An ambassador is to faithfully represent the message, the methods, and the character of the leader who has sent them. So how do we come to a place in which we are to do ambassadorial parenting? What I think it, where it begins, it begins with ourselves. It begins with ourselves in knowing who we are and our own personal identity in our relationship with God. Because if we don't know who we are and we don't know our relationship to, to God, how are we supposed to be his ambassadors? If we don't know how to live out the gospel for ourselves in the sense that we don't know that we are constantly being saved in our self-destructing, self-serving tendencies of living for ourselves, we are also parenting from a place that is self-destructive and self-serving and parenting, and we're parenting for ourselves. Do we ever ask the question, what is my theology when it comes to parenting? Probably not, because it's a weird question. What is my theology when it comes to parenting? Why would I ask that? Because most of us have good intentions and good and most likely biblical ideas of parenting but at the core of it, we need to understand that our theology, which is how we see God and how we relate to God, should always be the grounding question in everything that we do. That our theology creates our motives in how we behave as a humanity, and that our theology reveals what is important in our lives. And so all of those things will determine what kind of parent we are. The reality, as I have said, that parenting isn't easy. Let's face it. Kids are self-serving sovereigns that are not thinking about how you feel or what you need. They are only there for themselves and are only thinking of themselves. I'm pretty sure when my kid is throwing a tantrum because I wouldn't let her eat a stick of butter, isn't thinking about how they are serving me or helping me in that moment. I'm pretty sure that all they're thinking about is themselves and how I could eat that stick of butter. I'm pretty sure that all that they are thinking is how do I serve myself and how do I have the ability to think for myself? This is not a bad thing, but this is how we're made. This is how we're, we're programmed. I'm sure that when I put my kids to bed and finally feel like I have an evening to ourselves, only to be interrupted at nine o'clock as one begins to scream, waking up the other one, I'm sure they didn't go into the room saying and planning that at nine o'clock, I'm gonna scream and then I'm gonna wake you up and then you wake up and scream and then our parents will come rushing in. I'm pretty sure they do not plan that. But when we do go rushing in, what is our posture? What is our, what is our feeling? How do we stand? Because when we go up there at 9 o'clock, we are probably not thinking, oh, what a blessing it is to have these kids. We're probably not thinking, oh, how lovely that they are now have just ruined the rest of my evening. 
we're probably thinking, what the heck is wrong with you? Why are you crying? What have I done to you? I have just served you the entire day. This is my time. If we're honest with ourselves, we're actually no different from our kids. We're also just looking out for ourselves and our needs and our wants. What changes us is the gospel of Jesus, and that shifts our focus from ourselves to God, our creator and father. That being said, if we don't see the gospel for ourselves daily in confessing and surrendering our lives to, to God, we will not parent in a way that our kids will see the gospel in how they are to live. That if we are not able to be an ambassador of who God is, then we will inadvertently parent from a self-serving, self-righteous place. Matthew 3, 33, 34 says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. What Matthew writes here is say, we are here to seek what? First, the kingdom of God and to seek his righteousness. That's gospel living. That we are to seek his kingdom and his righteousness before we seek anything else. This is God's mandate for us. It means for us to daily confess that we are sinners and that we need Jesus to live in this fallen world. And when we look for these things, God's things will begin to open up for us. And, to say, and it goes on to say, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. For each day is enough trouble of its own. What sweet words to parents when we're in the moment trying to discipline our kids. That sometimes we feel so hopeless and so out of sorts that God says, don't worry about it. That don't worry about tomorrow. Don't, don't worry about what you have to continue doing, but just focus on what, what is present at hand. This, is, this may not be a typical parenting verse, but it is the verse that sets our hearts in the right place. It is the verse that sets us up to parent our children in the right place because we are setting ourselves up in front of the gospel to be able to parent our kids. How we hold ourselves matter, how we behave, how we, we react, how we respond to our children represents first the kingdom of God and it represents the gospel that is there for us first. So if we don't know the gospel for ourselves, how are we to extend that gospel in our parenting? When we go up into our kids' room late at night and we scream at them and we beg them to go to sleep, that is not gospel living. I'm as guilty of it as you are. I'm as frustrated as you are. As a as a pastor, I don't have all of this in place myself. But in Ephesians 6.4, it says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in training and instructions of the Lord. And in Colossians 3.21, it also says, Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. You see, as an adult, we have the ability to change a situation. 
We have things that we can draw on like patience and self-control. So often when we discipline our children or we bark out some command or some threat, I'm so guilty about this because threats for me feel so much more motivating, you know? Threats are so much more motivating than patience and love. And it's so easy for me when I ask my son to do something for the 10th time and he's still just taking his sweet time sitting there building his Lego. I go into a place where I start the countdown from five and threatening to throw away his toys. Or I'll take away his iPad. Or he will lose some sort of privilege. And I... And and when I threaten him, I see him get up so quickly to do it. And I'm like, oh, this is so much more easy to motivate by threat than to be patient and to be loving. But what I also see is the panic, the anxiety, the discouragement of disappointing me. This is a confession right now for me. That I am so broken in my parenting that I fall into desperation and provoking and discouraging my son. So what do we all need? We need grace. We need grace in doing this. Parenting requires grace to extend grace. When you're frustrated at someone, guess what? You will inadvertently frustrate them as well. When you're angry, you will make them angry. And But what does it say in Ephesians 6? It says this. It says, train them up in, in the way and train, training and instruction of the Lord. Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way that he should go so that even when he is old, he will not depart from it. So how are we training up our kids in the way of the kingdom? Are we teaching them of the gospel of grace? How are you being the ambassador for their creator? I know that we have some new parents here. We also have some older parents. We even have grandparents. One thing I want to say that it's not too late and it's never too late. You may think, well, my children are adults now or they're teenagers now. And we all know that teenagers don't listen, right? We may even feel like our time of parenting is over. We lost our chance. But I want to remind you that you're not too late. You have not lost your chance. God has given you the grace to continue to parent until he takes you home. Some of you may have chosen not to be parents or never had the opportunity to be parents or still waiting to be parents. And parenting is not just a biological thing that we do, but a chosen thing that we do. Let me give you an example. I've been a parent to people well before I was married or have kids on my own. I have been a parent to my younger cousins. I have been a parent to to many kids and youth that I've worked with, with both formally as legal guardians or just through relationships. I've been a parent because I decided that I'm going to be present and invest myself and my time into others in which they need to be trained up. So what is it that we need to train them up in? I know this is not a typical verse that we may use in parenting, but this is words that are given to us by Jesus. And Jesus says this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. 
Your job as a parent is to do everything within your power to encourage, call, and train your children to willingly and joyfully live as a disciple of Jesus. This is the most important thing in biblical parenting and raising biblical family. More than anything else, more than how smart they are, more than how athletic they are, or how musical they are, and what careers they will get into, or how popular they are. By the way, those things that I just listed, they're not about your children anyways. They're about you and how they make you look and feel. These things are not important. What is important is one thing, discipleship. Here's the great thing, though. As we read Matthew, it says this, all authority is given to him. So it means that in every situation that we may be in as parents, we know that we could rest in the fact that the authority that you are to train up in your children comes from the one who gives it. That Jesus even promises that, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And sometimes parenting feels like it is the end of the age. That we know that Jesus is there to do it with us. That we don't have to do it alone. That he empowers and gives us the authority to do the same thing. That he is with us as we battle every single thing, as we change every single diaper, as we clean up every single mess. as we see every broken heart, as we see every messed up situation and decision that our children has gone and made, that Jesus is there. That Jesus is there to help us parent. The other part of it, it says, make disciples. What does that mean to us, to make disciples? A disciple is someone that follows Jesus and has given their life to Jesus because of the gospel message of, of Jesus dying on the cross for us. And for them to love Jesus and to love God more than they love anyone else. That's what a disciple is. To be able to follow Jesus and know that his word is true for their lives and that they will follow living their lives for who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for them. That's what a disciple is, and that's what we are to train them up into. It says to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That baptism isn't just for the church, but for our families. That maybe we physically don't baptize them at home, but that we physically, that, that we know that by baptizing them means that we will train them up in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That they understand that the Trinity works for them and that the Father works for them and that Jesus is someone that can bring comfort to them when they make the choices that they make. And then it says to teach them to observe everything that I've commanded you. That in our own discipleship, that we disciple our kids. That as we grow in the Lord and as we learn about the gospel truth for our lives, that we extend the same things to our kids. How often do we need grace? Think about that. How often do we need grace? And how often do we extend that same grace to our kids? that we train them up in the way that God trains us up. 
that we teach them everything that the word of God has for them. Now that is gospel message for parenting, right? It means that the father who gave you the assignment will give you the grace that you need to give to your children. That when you give grace, you are also receiving grace. And oh, do we ever need grace. So today I want to encourage you that your hope as a parent is not found in your own power, your own wisdom, or your own character, or your own experience, or even your own success. But I also want to say that you're not in this drama alone. That your potential is greater than your weakness because the one who is without weakness is with you. And that he does his best work through those who admit that they are weak. Because in that place, you are strong with his strength. So the question was, how do we raise our families in the biblical way? And there are so many ways that the Bible teaches us. But one of the things that I wanted to remind us as a church today is that we need to know the gospel for ourselves. And the most important thing for families is about discipleship. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you. We thank you for your encouragement. We thank you that we know that we're not alone in this. We thank you that you have given us grace, that sometimes even the grace that we cannot give ourselves. Lord, that as we look at parenting and the difficulties of parenting, we know that this is your calling for us as a church. We know that this is who you've made us to be. And so, Father God, we just ask for your grace to fall in this place today for those that are parents. We ask for your grace to fall upon the children that may not have had good parents. And we ask for your grace to come and just show us your way. Lord, that we are all disciples and that we are all here to make disciples. So Father God, we just pray that today, even in the message that we heard, that you just challenge us to shift our, our, our ideas of what parenting looks like. And we ask for your mercy and grace to come and give us the strength to do it the way that you've called us to do it. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, amen. Thank you, Pastor John, for a wonderful message. Short and sweet, but you know, he gave us something so important there in that he pointed us to the, the parenting compass that all of us need to have. Just connecting the idea of parenting to Matthew 28 and the Great Commission. What a powerful thought. What a powerful paradigm. And if you ponder that and meditate on it, reflect on it, and you bring it all the way back to practically how do you relate to your kids every day as a father, as a mother to your kids, it forces an alignment towards the gospel. And it brings a grace from God so that you can be an awesome, awesome dad or mom. Of all the titles that we attribute to God, maybe the most glorious title we give to Him is Father. Yes, He's Savior. Yes, He's Lord. 
Yes, he's healer. Yes, he's comforter. But from eternity to all eternity, he will always be father. I know that when I'm at wit's end, when I feel like I can't take anymore, I'm ready to just break, I just think, God, how do you father me? And that's how I want to father those that you have given to me. As I have been fathered by God, that's how I want to father. And whenever I think about that, which is about the cross, the grace comes. Okay, Lord, I can go the extra mile. I can do the extra thing that I need. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you want us to be a house filled with strong families. A house filled with families that are whole and strong. And we know, God, the enemy has come and raked generations over the coal. And there's so much difficulty and trauma and hurt and devastation. Lord, let your healing come from the cross. Even there's mourning in our souls for many of us as we think about our dads. As much as we want to celebrate, there's tinge of hurt and disappointment. But we ask for a healing balm to come. Holy Spirit, Father God, touch us, rewire us, rework us so that we can truly experience who you are as Father and in turn, Father, our children, raise up our families to be a mighty witness for you. God, this is a generational task. It won't happen overnight, but give us the grace, God, for the long haul, for the long game. We give you praise and honor. You are Father God. We thank you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.